Hello, and welcome back to the Riverdale Recap Podcast. Today, we will be talking about the second episode of Riverdale Season 4, Fast Times at Riverdale High. I'm Mary Kukowski, and I am joined, as always, by the world traveler this week, Kirsten McKinnis. Kirsten, how are you doing tonight? Mary, I am so tired. I am very jet-lagged, and I cannot wait to just sleep because I had a very excellent time traveling, but it was very sleep. Like, ugh, I'm so tired. <laughs> yeah, fresh off your trip from New York, where you spent time hanging out with a bunch of other podcasters, not myself, because I have not set aside enough vacation days to go to New York like everyone else. Wow. Uh, honestly, a mistake. It was a really great time. Love seeing our friends. Love staying at Podcast House, which, by the way, was like this dope double apartment house. Just incredible. The beds were so comfy, unlike last time. And uh, yeah, it was a, a great time. Wish you could have made it. But always nice to uh, talk to other podcasters and podcast fans. Yeah. So if anyone is wondering why this episode is a little later this week. It's just because we both had really busy weekends and we were both traveling and we're going to try better. We'll get better in the future. You know, it's it's the beginning of the season. It's okay. We're getting into the swing of things and you know what? We're busy. You're just lucky that we are carving out this time for you. (laughs) Wow. No, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm very excited to talk about Riverdale. We're going to jump right into this episode. This episode was a little bit all over the place. I feel like it kind of did what we were expecting from a traditional first episode of reminding us what happened in the previous season and then going ahead and setting up a whole bunch of different plot lines that we're probably going to see coming out throughout this season. We had stuff with Archie, stuff with Veronica, stuff with Cheryl, the farm, everything going on. Glad to see that right off the bat we had some sort of secondary characters like Reggie and Kevin already back in the swing of things. Even Tony a little bit. She had a lot of screen time but not as many lines as I would have hoped that she would have had, but glad to see that we're still sticking with some of these characters. This episode was uh, crazy, crazy. I had thought that maybe things would be normal now that the Griffins and Gargoyles plotline is over, but uh, based on this, still gonna be crazy, crazy. Yeah, crazy, but they are doing what you had predicted of spending some more time in the school setting, in the classrooms. Mary, I didn't predict that. I read that in an article. Okay, whatever. (laughs) The thing that you had correctly assessed from your research. Okay, they could have been lying. You know, shows will sometimes leak false information. I don't think Riverdale has to. They they can tell the truth and people are like, nah, that could never happen. Yeah. So there was a Jughead voiceover for this episode, but honestly, it was basically just a lot of exposition saying, you know, the rest of the summer went by in a haze and Betty, Veronica, Archie, and Jughead spent some time together and it was cool and oh yay, look, football's gonna be a thing again and the school floors are being buffed. Don't know why that was essential to know, but it was. I think we need to keep note of this. Like, obviously, there's something coming with these floors. Okay, well, actually, I've seen multiple horror films where the floor buffer person is like cleaning up blood from the floors so I kind of feel like that's hasn't there been enough blood on the floors yeah spoilers for I think the movie I am number four which I wouldn't really classify as a horror film but it's a little scary there's definitely a part where the janitor gets eaten in the middle of buffing the floor and then they go around the corner and the floor is just like buffing over a pile of his dead remains that's disgusting let's never speak of it again Uh -uh. that image has stuck 
back of my head. <laughs> yeah, thanks for nothing. The show opens with, oh, hey, look, it's the last night of summer before school. And what does that mean? Double makeout session. Mm. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was in high school or college, we definitely, sure, there were parties where multiple couples are getting it on or whatever. But it's not usually like, hey, established, we are going to go into this room and make out and you guys can stay out here and hook up. Like, no, it's more normally like it just sort of happens and people separate and go off on their own. They don't, first off, they definitely don't have a weird joint both couples sitting in each other lap scenario. I'm really sorry that these uh, teenagers have healthy boundaries or unhealthy boundaries, whatever. They have boundaries that I don't understand. Anyway, so yeah, they're uh, hooking up. They're all staying at the Pembroke. Apparently, Archie does not have to report back to his mother, Mary Andrews, and Jughead and Betty. Guess it doesn't matter where they go since they live together anyways, but just kind of weird. Yeah, I guess Veronica just owns the Pembroke now and doesn't have any supervision. Is it my imagination or at the end of the third season, did she say like Smithers is my legal guardian? Because I kind of thought that was a thing. I feel like that definitely happened and because of like the weird employer employee relationship with Smithers he's not gonna discipline her yeah yeah it seems kind of a bad precedent of like my legal guardian is also someone I pay yeah it's <laughs> but, like huh okay oh, well. we did get even more I mean Riverdale and all CW shows are very much in a custom of heavy making out cut to the next morning but we did see a bra pop off so wow shocker that's more than we've gotten so far I think also Veronica's bra was like super cute it was it was really cute Sticking with the uh, black and white themed underwear for Betty and Veronica, but well, it's because Veronica's cool. a. Uh, bad girl and Betty is not apparently. Yeah sure. Only in a TV show could four teenagers just like wake up late for their first day of school having none of them set alarms and then not have to shower and just go to school and be totally cool. I feel like they weren't totally cool and they probably smelled uh, pretty bad. Yeah they looked cute though. Uh, At least we fit into the canon that they apparently brought clothes to Veronica's house to wear the next day. Well I mean they were obviously always planning to have a sleep over so i guess i don't know why this is allowed uh first day of school new principal mr honey um and mr honey sucks yeah i'm also just gonna say i went ahead and i did some research on mr honey just to see if he was in the archie comics because he's got one of those names no So I love that Riverdale is also doing this thing where they either take characters from the comic books or they just give characters ridiculous names that makes you think they could have been from a comic book. I think that in the comic books, the original uh, principal doesn't die, so they didn't need to have a replacement principal. Fair enough. And we've had, uh, this is our third principal of Riverdale High in the show, if you count the parents principal, Mr. Featherhead, who also died. Wait, did Mr. Weatherby die? I thought he just like went away with the farm. Oh, great call. I just assumed he was dead he might be on the farm i don't I literally don't remember i don't care is the thing uh because all these principals do is insert themselves into teenage drama and it's weird and uncomfortable and even with mr honey it's the same thing so whatever and his name is gross all right well moving on from that we can jump into the archie plotline this episode which Woo-hoo. was um uh, well we start off with oh look archie's still punching Archie loves punching stuff. Mm -hmm. And he invites Mad Dog to come to school with him. Apparently Mad Dog never graduated. And uh, Archie's like, yeah, you can play football. Woohoo. Yeah. And uh, here's the here's the tea. I don't think you can just register for high school in a conversation. 
And wasn't Mad Dog older anyway? So like, is he allowed to just come to high school or does he have to do it like from a satellite campus? I have questions and none of them were answered. I don't know because I feel like it was said that Mad Dog got locked up in juvie when he was like 13 or 14, like some younger age. So maybe he is only like 18 now. Like maybe he is around their age and he's just been out of high school for a while. I'm not sure. Either way, if he's back enrolled and he hasn't been there for a while, he's definitely a sophomore or freshman uh, academically. Well, and also, but no, he should have been definitely taking school in juvie. That should have been a thing. So should have Archie, but Archie's whole plotline last season was about how he wasn't going to graduate on time, which, by the way, guess we just skipped over that? Apparently he didn't ever have to take summer classes or anything. I'm pretty sure that Archie's just not going to graduate. And it, we they will circle back to it, and it's going to be like when um like Buster wasn't going to finish the third grade in Arthur. It's like a big thing. Anyways, those are the references I'm making. Do not remember that about Buster. I was a DW fan myself. Oh, DW was by far the best character in the entire show. Yeah. What was it? Dorothy Winifred or something? That's correct. That sounds right. Let's go with that. I, I believe that's right, so. Sure. Newsflash, Mad Dog's got a real name. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, Monroe Moore, which... Monroe Mad Dog Moore. Yeah, no, I don't think don't we knew think that. I don't think we knew this. I mean, what, did you think his Solid name was name? Mad Dog? No, it's a little interesting, though, that, like, he didn't mind being called Mad Dog all last season, even though he wasn't in prison for the end of it. But he... Wow, was that last season? That whole season happened? They met Mad Dog? And yeah. And Mad Dog also... Wow, it feels like two separate seasons. Okay, anyway, Reginald looks bummed that Mad Dog wants to join the football team. Reggie is uh, jealous that Archie is another friend, I guess. Yeah, well, I still disagree with this whole Archie and Reggie are friends thing. Yeah, no, they're it's all messed up. And it's weird that they're able to be even remotely normal after the Veronica-Reggie situation. Especially because literally the end of season three was the second to last episode. Veronica chooses Reggie and then the last episode they think they're going to die. So Veronica chooses Archie. And then I guess that was explained to Reggie at some point. I, like, I really want to know, did these kids after the ordeal with the Gargoyle King... Did they like come back and be and explain to everyone what happened with Penelope? Because she just escaped, right? I'm assuming they didn't. And uh, I just want to move on at two. So it's fine. All right, cool. It was all a fever dream. It didn't really happen. Uh, Football practice rolls around. Reggie's dad's there. He's a dick. And it's weird that he's at high school football practice. Like that's I feel like that's not a normal thing. I mean, there were definitely probably some parents who would show up at the end of practice and like check out what their kids are doing while they pick them up or right before they pick them up. But they're definitely not like yelling like that. This is really a thing that I'm not like there are obviously bad relationships that some kids have with their parents but the doing it in public like this where the coach could easily see i don't know how realistic that that was like one of the craziest parts of the episode is that reggie's dad is now so brazen that he thinks he can literally hit his kid in the head in front of everyone like when he like pushes reggie's helmet i was like whoa that wasn't okay and it's fully in public in front of people yeah i thought his whole thing last season was like oh he has an abusive father but his father's denying it and there's no evidence but there's totally evidence here. The the whole thing is that normally when there's a situation of abuse, it's kept uh, hidden so that the person doesn't get caught so that social 
Servants doesn't get involved. But no, Reggie's dad is like, you know what? It's a new world. I can just beat the crap out of my son whenever I want. And it's really not okay. And I really don't like it. Yeah. So this whole plot line was really not great. Mad Dog is good. And unfortunately, he's put on a different practice team than Reggie. And so it's sort of like him showing that he's good is making Reggie look bad. Getting tackled does not mean you're bad at football. Right, but I guess to Reggie's dad, he feels this way. It's it's a shame. I mean, it's not even a game. They're on the same team. It's practice. And then Reggie is upset about the whole thing, and he's sort of talking to Archie and being like, I've been captain since sophomore year. I don't want that taken away from me. Which, first off, thank you for reminding us of the insane world we live in where sophomores are captains of the varsity football team. Also, you're telling this to Archie, who, if I'm not mistaken, was actually named captain and then he you only got it Reggie when Archie gave it up that is a hundred percent the case yeah it's it's just I just hate this and I really hate how Archie handled the whole thing a lot remember when Archie was a musician remember when Archie was in jail can we put him back there yeah let's do that so Mad Dog continues to be good at football and Archie tries to defend Reggie in front of his dad again but Reggie shoves Archie back clearly he's afraid of what his dad may think if he stands up to him and it's it's rough yeah and it's a thing too where I know like I saw some tweets and stuff where people were saying like oh but like Reggie is so much bigger than his dad if Reggie has grown up with his dad beating the crap out of him obviously that's that creates like a lot of psychological issues as well and it's not just a matter of Reggie being bigger than his dad yes he could punch his dad back now and probably win that fight but there's a lot more that goes into that uh and a lot more problems there obviously he's still going to be scared of his dad it's not that easy to just stop being scared of someone who beat the crap out of you your whole life yeah it's unfortunate does Reggie have a mom I think so because back in season one or two when the kids were getting into the JJ Reggie's mom I remember showing up and being upset that Reggie was dealing the jingle jangle huh what happened to her is she also a victim mm, of domestic violence I have no idea she I I don't mm, don't know I also kind of thought that this whole Reggie's dad is abusive thing was like called out last season but maybe only Veronica knew about it I don't know I kind of thought we had already had this I think that that's what we're supposed to believe so Archie talks with Reggie again and Reggie does finally admit that his dad beats him and Reggie says that he was jealous of his relate of the relationship that Archie had with Fred Andrews and Reggie realizes that if his dad had been the one to pass away he might not have felt as sorry about the whole situation so Reggie's solutions to take a stand against his dad not to talk to him about the problem but to beat up his dad's car i think we need to also just rewind a second where archie's solution to the problem is to confront reggie's dad in front of reggie and put reggie in way more danger yeah that was that not was good messed and archie up. definitely got it i definitely understood why reggie you know was shoving archie out of the way at that point that made sense because that's not how you handle the situation no either. that's that was horrible but yeah and so like he beat up his dad's car i'm assuming his dad's gonna lose his mind i'm very worried for reggie because although his father is smaller than him i get scared yeah by the end of the episode reggie was like yeah it all worked out it got my dad talking and he's definitely not going to be coming after me anymore I, okay i i guess we're supposed to assume that his dad was just beating up on reggie because Reggie was a pushover, but then when Reggie showed that he would be break his dad's car, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not really sure if we were supposed to side with Reggie on that course of action. I don't like 
how the show framed the entire thing. And, like, there have been lots of situations in the past where the show has handled sensitive topics very well and very poorly. And I'm going to put their whole handling of this abuse and the handled extremely poorly category. Like, this was so bad. Also, I'm, I'm just not sure what the point of all of this was. If the situation is now solved and Reggie's dad is not going to be abusive anymore, why did we even need this well, in here in the first place? Well, it's definitely not solved because that's not how abuse works. I'm just a little bit confused, so I guess we'll see if anything more comes of it. Also, at the end, Archie and Reggie are quote-unquote bros for life. All right, well, I am assuming that will last just as long as uh, Veronica stays out of their minds. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's still a, a big problem. And I'm still mad that Veronica's with the inferior boy. Right. Speaking of Veronica, Veronica is waging her own war this episode against the paparazzi. She talks with Mr. Sourberry, her lawyer, or her parents' lawyer, I guess, at the beginning of the episode. And her he's like, hey, so who are you going to side with for your parents? You should probably give some kind of testimony, you know, backing them up. And she's like, haha, yeah, no, totally not going to do that. Not really sure why we hate Hermione all of a sudden. Like, Hermione Hermione definitely tried to kill Hiram, but... But, like, that's a good thing. Like, we should be glad that she tried to kill Hiram. We should be upset that she didn't succeed. I think Veronica's kind of just mad that her parents are, like, criminals to begin with and just doesn't really want to back that up, even though Hermione was more or less in self-defense-ish. I I don't know. She could make a claim for, like, the the battered wife defense. She could absolutely make a case, especially with the uh, cost of lawyer that she would have. She would be but fine. But she also pretended to kill off Sheriff Mineta. Yeah, but do they have an proof with of that? Him. I don't, like, no one has evidence of that. I don't know. It was, it was confusing. Anyway, apparently Veronica's a shoe-in for Harvard. Cool. I mean, at what point have we seen her be academically excelling? Like, I think she's smart, but she doesn't have any extracurricular. Yeah, exactly. Like, she's a cheerleader and that's it. Like, at what point have we seen her get involved in the community outside of, like, I don't know, getting kids drunk? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I'm not really sure why. Like, the only thing going for Veronica is her name, which seems to be more of a negative thing than a positive thing. So yeah, just uh, whatever. Anyway, so then like a bunch of reporters come into the school to uh, get a statement from Veronica and get some information. And reporters will not be able to just get into a school first and foremost. Second of all, why are there cameras from like 1943? Third, how are there so many in such a small town? Last I checked, Alice Cooper was the only reporter and she's MIA. So... Hmm, this is a big enough thing where a bunch of reporters are come to harass a teenager in a school, a school nonetheless, that has a very strict new principal. You can't just, first off, adults can't just storm into a school. Usually they have to like check in with the front office or whatever. Also, I don't really think in any sane world all of these adult reporters are going to be going after a teenager. They would probably be swarming the like prisons that her parents are in or something. The only reporters that are following and harassing a teenage girl are messed up ones. There's literally a kid from the school who is hired by one of the papers, or I guess it's Web- uh, by rumordale.com. Yeah. So, which I don't think is a close but no cigar. I mean, it's like close, but it's not quite a close but no cigar. It's just a, a kind of silly name I for a website. I just want to know what has been on that site for the past two years. I don't know. But yeah, also the fact that this is the first time that reporters have come to Riverdale is a little bit ridiculous. But they literally paid this kid 500 bucks to get a picture of Veronica. Don't know why the kid decided that meant a semi-nude picture, which they literally could not post on their website because that's child pornography. Yeah, would certainly so they be literally illegal. 
would it's that's how you get arrested so okay also we can say spank bank on this show but we can't say the lyrics to candy store just want to continue fighting that good fight yeah uh yeah anyways uh juvenile spank bank not something i want to ever hear about again so then veronica gets pulled into a meeting with principal honey who's like you have a lot going on in your personal life maybe you should take time off from school this is not how the world works yeah good schools particularly ones that have counselors of some kind, which to be fair, we have not seen from Riverdale, but they would whatever. really benefit from having a counselor at this school. Yeah, you don't just be like, hey kid, you seem to be having a really hard time, so I'm gonna kick you out of school as opposed to helping you. Yeah, that's not great. Not in Riverdale. Basically, it's because this article has come out on Rumordale that has a source claim that all of the things that got her father arrested were really Veronica's doing. Which, like, to be fair, she is still running the spe- speakeasy and <laughs> still calling it a speakeasy. Sorry. Sorry, it's hard. All my notes say spikeasy still. Spikeasy. You're not really helping yourself make it look like it was just your dad's club. I guess you're not technically doing anything illegal there anymore, but it's still not really, like, I would have probably shut down the speakeasy for a little while at the very least. Well, but how is she supposed to pay for things, Mary? She can't just get money from her dad anymore. Well, I don't know. I kind of thought she had gotten some money from her dad after the rest. I don't know. Veronica asks Reggie, because for whatever reason she thought it was him who had leaked this information to Rumordale, and he's like, yeah, no, why don't you ask your dad? I have no idea how he knew that it was her dad, but she goes to see her dad in prison wearing the horrible blonde wig again. Yeah, it's uh, her only disguise, and it's apparently the only way she can get around without being harassed by the paparazzi, even though there were none Mm. of them at the speakeasy. Yeah, or at the prison uh, where they should be in the first place. So she talks to him, and he's just like, uh, yeah, no, I I totally leaked the story because uh, you're a lodge through and through. And she's like, oh, you just wait. And then she agrees to give a press conference at the speakeasy where her Cheryl Tony and two red shirt vixens I'm assuming somehow do an amazing rendition of all that jazz that they have learned in question mark time I don't know when they well they have costumes and full choreography so it must have taken some time pretty weird that she's like I'm gonna do a special performance and then I'll have a press conference what the hell also like again not appropriate for teenagers who are trying to not look like criminals it's beautiful though do love the song that's a fun time so she gives this press conference where she says uh yeah i totally did all those things that they said about in the paper but i only did them under duress because i trusted and loved my parents and uh turns out they were evil so i've decided not to stand with either of them bang bang boom i'm standing with and only for myself and uh i'm gonna change my last name to gomez and you know what if she's gonna take her mom's maiden name she should at least stand with her mom that's all i'm gonna say on that yeah like if you're gonna take a different name just create a new name hmm. can you create a new last name i know you can create a new i mean name. yeah, yeah you, you could change your name to anything you want like that episode of friends with princess consuela banana hammock solid definitely real world true life example good job i hate you anyways yeah so you know who sucks mr honey the new principal I hate that guy. Cheryl also hates him because he cancels her student dance. But you know what? 
canceling the dance is the first rational thing any adult has ever done on this show. She's like, why are you canceling my dance? And he's like, uh, because several students died at the last dance. Solid. Makes sense. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised they opened the school again. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, don't have any more dances. People die there. God, I am just, I'm already flashing back to, remember how Hal and Chick were the ones who were murdering everyone? And, like, they totally did not get along back in season two. Oh, this show makes no sense. Anyway, so the dance is canceled, and also apparently Cheryl is still talking to dead body Jason, but Tony doesn't know about this. And she keeps him in a room that doesn't have a real door. If you're trying to hide him, don't just, like, haphazardly throw a blanket over him and leave, like, a a not real door. Put him somewhere with a door. Yep, yep. Instead, it's like a little four and a half foot high chain gate thing that you could definitely easily climb over. And can see through. Also, shout out to the song Archie's Party that is playing while Cheryl and Tony walk through the halls passing out invitations to their party. Archie's Party is also on my Jingle Jangle album, so it's a good song. Anyways, uh, so Cheryl decides to have a party and everybody goes and uh, Reggie also almost walks in on the dead Jason and then the police show up. And by police, I mean just FP. Yeah, every time the police siren sound, I always forget that, oh yeah, FP is the police officer, which I gotta say, my favorite moment in the entire episode was when FP just looks over at Jughead and goes, boy, you better not be drinking whatever it is in that cup. And he just stone faced looking straight at his dad, just like dumps the cup out to the side. That's my favorite, my favorite thing. Also, for a second, I was wondering why Jughead was just standing there talking to Tony. And then I remembered that they are both serpents because I thought it was a weird pairing because- yeah, probably serpent business. At, well, ever since like the, the Tony quit being a serpent, we haven't seen any of that. Oh yeah. Anymore. Did that get resolved? Is she a serpent again? I think her and Cheryl are serpents again, and they just, like, gave the other gang to Peaches, but I don't remember. Mm, That sounds like something this dumb show would do. Yeah, I don't know. We need to watch the end of season three again, but I absolutely refuse to do that (laughs) under any (laughs) circumstances. I'll go back and rewatch season two, but I'm certainly never watching season three again. Also, apparently, Honey is the one who called the cops on the party, and so then somehow Cheryl manages to leave a massive beehive dripping in honey and covered in bees in Mr. Honey's office. So is this the new Sticky Maple? Ew. Anyways, honey, honey, we're not talking about that honey. ever again. Have we, already gone, have we already gone through this again? Yes, we talked about that at the beginning of the, uh, in our preview show. Um, But here's the deal. If he needs to stop giving out confidential information if he wants to continue being a, a <laughs> law enforcement officer because he's he's not just a cop he's a fun cop yeah he's not like a regular cop he's like a cool cop anyways he's like a horrible cop who should not be telling people stuff like this and also like principal honey needs to stop being so obsessed with cheryl all right so down to the last couple plots of this episode jughead hey guess what he's smart all of a sudden not that he wasn't always smart but he's like desirable for prep school smart now oh Oh, wow. It's like we could have never seen this coming. Like, it definitely wasn't all they talked about preseason. So, apparently, Mr. Chipping, who is one of the judges from that short story contest we heard for about one second mentioned in the first episode, Jughead didn't win, but this guy is a teacher at Stonewall Prep who wants to invite Jughead to come to school there. Jughead declines going to this prep school, 
but Mr. Chipping is persistent and he comes to Jughead's house, aka the Cooper family household. Yeah, this is still confusing. Wonder if we're ever going to see the uh, trailer park again or the one standing trailer. Hmm. I don't know. Does anyone need it? Because like Cheryl has a house now. I mean, probably some serpents still need a house. I don't know. Is FP even a serpent? Like there are other people still that live on the south side, right? I I just feel like the Cooper family household could be housing a lot more serpents. No, I feel like the Cooper family household uh, represents FP achieving the American dream. Mm. Yeah, moving into his ex-girlfriend's house. Fantastic. Jughead agrees to go on this tour of the school and Betty somehow managed to go with him and like Betty gotta say I love your overall shorts but you might have wanted to wear full-length pants to a prep school where pants are part of the uniform I don't care she looked so cute I love that overall shorts are part of her new like uniform she looks so adorable and uh, anyone who disagrees is wrong goodbye okay there we meet Brett Weston Wallace which is just the most annoying name ever I hated him from the moment he said I prefer Forsyth Goodbye. I feel like if someone is like, oh, yeah, that's my name, but like, here is the name that I go by and would like to be called, and someone's like, yeah, no, I'm going to call you Forsyth. It's like, ah, hello, Forsyth Pendleton Jr. And he's like, oh, no, call me Jughead. Nah, I prefer Forsyth. Goodbye forever. I hate you. Yeah, so that he was a jerk. And then he calls Betty very Sweet Valley High, which I I guess was meant as an insult. No, I didn't. I just okay. wrote that in there in case I wanted to reference it. But then I figured most people probably know what Sweet Valley High is. I just um, was, a, I was like, oh, um, Mary's really young. <laughs> no, I, I know what Sweet Valley High is. Um, yeah, which I is, never really read them, but they were around. Yeah, it's definitely meant as an insult. Cause Sweet Valley High is very much like, like, oh, my God, we're going to the big dance and we live in California. And like this prep school is obviously very much like horrible. Ew. Yeah. And then uh, there was a weird moment where they were talking about Moby Dick and Brett was like, Betty, I bet you've got a lot to say about Moby Dick. And Betty's like, yeah, no, I don't. Okay, I don't like the school. Bye. Yeah, like how she was like, no, I don't. And I've had enough of this place. Goodbye. Jughead, he's down with Moby Dick. Also, just got to say that I am team stand with Jughead about the whole whale means nothing thing. This was a battle I fought in high school. And my teacher was like, no, but the symbol is in him. And I'm like, yeah, he literally says he hates allegories. So, okay. Anyways, I thankfully never had to read Moby Dick, but I'll be on team whale means nothing also. Thanks. Appreciate it. Also, we meet briefly Donna, Jonathan, and Joan, who are um, enthralling. Hopefully, we don't hang out with them anymore. Yeah, I uh, feel like they were really boring, and their names are boring, and I hate them. Yeah, but uh, Jughead is chill with it. They Veronica's not, though. She's like, hey, you shouldn't leave your girlfriend, and also Stonewall is miserable, and I feel like she's kind of just a little jealous that she didn't get invited to go to prep school. Yeah, I feel like she misses going to private school. Yeah, probably. But then we have a, like, scene that's definitely meant to be the nail in the coffin of Jughead's gotta get somewhere where his talents can be appreciated or something. Because uh, Riverdale High, the kids are all like, oh, we're gonna make paper airplanes and not listen to the teacher. And the teacher is just, like, reading the book out loud. I don't know. Also, Betty and Jughead are able to just walk out of the classroom without being seen. They're sitting in the front row and Betty just goes, come with me. And they just walk out. Which I guess is supposed to show how little the teachers care. But, like, 
like, I didn't need to see them with, like, crappy teachers in a classroom setting. It did not need to happen. So Betty's like, hey, you should probably go to Stonewall Prep. And he's like, on it. And then he just runs away and pieces out. So I guess he goes. And then Jughead tries on his uniform for his dad. Also, does Betty still live at the Cooper family home? Yeah, I think she does. But I guess she maybe lives with her uh, half-brother. I don't know. Hard to tell. That's some information we still need. I'd like to know where everyone's living. Thank you. Also, apparently Jughead's grandfather randomly went to Stonewall Prep for a short period of time. Yeah, this is all dumb and I hate it. Yeah, and then um, his dad is like, it's going to be a good year. And then we flash to the little excerpt we got in the trailer of spring break where everyone's just running through the woods screaming jughead so (laughs) that's it's gonna be a great year speaking of where is betty so (sighs) this is my one big gripe with the episode that i would have liked to have seen is i just need a just quick sec real quick sec where we discuss who knows about charles where is charles living because it's some sort of basement somewhere that looks like a combination of like old-timey spy detective lab and, like, a journalism office. Don't know where it is, but apparently Betty just kind of hangs there. Maybe he's living at, like, the Riverdale Register offices now that nobody's running it. Yeah, that's possible, but I would just like to know who in town knows that Charles is there, who knows that he's an FBI agent, who knows that he's looking for the farm, and who knows that he is FP and Alice's son. Because that's my biggest thing, is that FP, we haven't seen anything about FP being reunited with his son that he didn't even know existed. And who knows that he was on Survivor? Well, I I definitely think that everybody knows that he was on Survivor, you know. Like, first he was Matt Elrod, and then he was Wyatt Nash, and then he was Charles Smith. So it just seems like a natural progression. It all adds up. Anyways, so uh, Charles has been having check-ins with Alice, which is what you would do when you have an informant. But Alice has missed apparently multiple of these meetings, which I'm pretty sure the minute your, like, undercover agent goes missing, you're supposed to take that pretty seriously. But he's like, oh, I'll just wait for her to contact contact me excuse me she's not contacting you that's the problem yes and then like he's like betty just keep being a high school student which is absolutely what she should still be doing because you should not be involving a high school student in an fbi case Yeah, but also her mom is missing. Yeah, but she shouldn't be the one looking for her. I also feel like if you're an FBI agent, you shouldn't be just like walking around announcing that you're an FBI agent to everybody. But Mm, what do I know? The FBI doesn't have to be. uh, It's not like the CIA. You know what's funny? Matt Elrod was on a season of Survivor with an ex-FBI agent. Ooh. He's just fulfilling his dream to become Philip Shepard. Honestly, he needs to be giving me a little bit more of a Philip Shepard vibes. Government drops. Stressful. Anyway, so Kevin shows up to the blue and gold office and he's like, hey, um, can I be an arts reporter? And she's like, yeah, fill out an application. Like anyone else works for the blue and gold. It's literally just you, Betty. And now that Jughead's going to prep school, it's probably just you. Yeah. Also, what doesn't, what needs to be reported on? Literally nothing right now. Yeah. And Kevin's like, I miss you. I don't have any friends. Like I need, I need my friends back. And Betty's like, oh, well, remember how you dragged me by my ankles to get a lobotomy which like thank you for reminding me what show i was watching and it was pretty messed up yeah it super was all of a sudden betty's like okay i believe you you seem like a decent fella and uh betty goes to see charles at the question mark bunker Ooh, do you think that the bang bunker is gonna be coming back this season um i mean there's no really reason to have it if they can just hang out at the pembroke and make out maybe that's where charles lives yeah and just so everyone's clear this seems like a thing that i don't need to announce but i I do realize that these kids 
kids are doing more than just making out. I'm just uncomfortable uh, saying the word sex. So that's where we're at. Thanks. PSA over. Ugh. Hey, you know who's lonely? Kevin, because Fangs isn't talking to him anymore. Apparently he's been texting Fangs all summer. Yeah. Now see, I was, I kind of thought that like you couldn't communicate with people at the farm easily. Like they didn't just still have cell phones because can't, don't we have the technology to like track cell phones? Like why are we not doing that? Someone Seems needs like a to loophole. just log into Fang's Google account and find him. Yeah, I feel like we had a really simple solution here that the show accidentally wrote into a corner. Anyway, apparently there are these transcripts between Kevin and Fang's text messages that Charles has and Betty's like, oh gee, you didn't let me know. And then they're like, wait a second, let's use Kevin as bait and let's give him fake information about the investigation and then he'll tell Fang's and they'll meet up. And it's actually really sad because Kevin meets up with Fang's and he just wants to hug him and Fang's is like, no, dude, I need info. And then he runs away and then Betty's like, Kevin, I thought you were a cool dude. And Kevin's like, Betty, I'm literally lonely. You've ignored me all summer. And then Betty's like, you know what the solution to this is? I'm going to give you way too much information. Yeah, which did not end poorly, but like I was screaming at her to stop. No, this is going to come back and end poorly. Yeah, but she literally tells Kevin, hey, guess what? Remember how I gave you fake information? I'm going to give you real information and it's really important information. Like the fact that my mom is a spy for the FBI. Yeah, that's cool. Also, I just feel like we haven't had enough of Kevin talking about like, hey, I I was brainwashed. This place is no good. Like, he's kind of just like, oh, I'm sorry for what happened. He's probably still brainwashed. Like, I don't think anyone deprogrammed him. Yeah, they really should, though. Yeah. And then Betty tells Charles that she let Kevin know about Alice, and he gets mad for a hot sec, but convenient timing, Kevin runs downstairs and they're like, wait, it worked. I know where they are. They're totally in the abandoned motel behind the maple barrels. But Edgar is armed and getting ready for war. So, okay, a couple options. One, this was like a double, double cross where Fang is double-crossing Kevin and showing him fake information, or Kevin's lying, or it's a trap that he's going to lead Betty and Charles into. I don't know. I um just can't wait for this old motel to like get blown up. Yeah, it's rough. Anyway, that was the episode. Lots of little things. It like this was ins- a truly insane hour of television, even though there was no griffins and gargoyles, which is fine. Like nothing magical happened. Yeah, which is nice. I like when there's no magic. But it was definitely it, it definitely had a lot going on, and they're definitely still skirting around some of the questions that I think we're all asking asking here mostly in terms of mostly in terms of like the Charles stuff and the fact that the world is kind of moving on despite the fact that like a lot of members of their town got swept up into a cult that just vanished kind of feel like we just skipped over that well I maybe upstate New York is just used to cults because they have the moonies yeah I mean that's also possible so we had asked on Twitter for any questions that people might have and we got a couple some we've sort of already mentioned but like one was uh how did all of those paparazzi just waltz unabated into the school that is from matt on twitter and yeah we have no idea it's because this is a tv show that makes absolutely no sense and forgets constantly that these are kids and this would not happen yes i would love to know another thing i would love to know is the answer to uh at rob has a fanboys question which is how did cheryl get that beehive into mr honey's office i'm assuming she paid people to do it well we've already seen that cheryl and tony are good at breaking into people's houses because they broke into was it the pembroke they broke into before where they stole the glamour j egg yeah i think yeah, so it sounds right so i, I mean these kids 
kids break into places all the time. All we've seen you have to do so far is just make sure you unlock a window and scooch it up a little bit before you leave school. And then you just climb in through the window on your way back. I mean, people broke into school like 500 times in the last couple seasons. So I think that's what they probably did. Yeah, but like, the how did they get the beehive? Do you think they just kidnapped the queen bee so that all the other bees would follow? That would be a smart plan. I was thinking more along the lines of they probably just like got beekeeper suits. And then somehow got in there. Also, am I wrong? That was a massive beehive, right? It seemed pretty big. Like, I also just feel like beehives are not just dripping with honey like that. So it almost seems like she, like, took a beehive, put it in there, dumped a bunch of honey on top, and then somehow lured a bunch of bees in there. Yeah, I... I don't know. I wish I knew. Yeah. So we also got a couple more questions here from Bruno on Twitter at Bryce CR. So that's Bryce, big friend of the pod. Sends me his yes. thoughts every week on Snapchat. Yes, that's he's one of our favorite OG listeners. He asks, why do people insist on carrying around candelabras instead of using flashlights? We saw Tony doing that early in the episode. Great question. I, like, you don't even need a flashlight. Just use the little flashlight option on your cell phone. That's what I would do. I, I get why Cheryl does it because she lives in the dramatic yeah. life, but Tony does not need to be adopting that from her. I think they just like the shot of people walking down hallways. Do they do this on Sabrina? Like, do they have flashlights in that world? Um, They have magic. Okay, makes sense. I was watching a few previews for Nancy Drew, and I'm happy to say that they at least have flashlights in that I mean, show. they had flashlights in Nancy Drew, the novels from the 1960s. Well, Riverdale, as we know, is in a weird time warp zone where it is both the, the 1940s and present day at the same time. It's insane. Just look at their cars, my friends. So he also asks, why is JJ not a pile of partially decayed goose smothered in maggots? I like to think that he is, and Cheryl is just so oblivious that she can't smell him. Oh, never thought of that. Makes a lot of sense. Like, she is somehow still partially brainwashed from this whole farm situation. Really not looking forward to this because I feel like the way it's going to end based on the Tony and Reggie almost finding JJ in this episode, um, not to be confused with the jingle jangle, is that I think someone's, probably Tony, is just going to eventually find Jason and then she's just going to be like, oh, I'm sorry. And then they're just going to take him away and bury him again and that'll be it. Like, I don't know if she'll ever snap out of it. There's so many problems with it. It just bugs me so much and I hate it. I agree. And then he also asked how Reggie's dad can come across even remotely threatening when he's like five feet tall, which is something else we already yeah. kind of answered. Even though, to be fair to your question, in the actual show, Reggie also says, Haha, don't worry, I have 50 pounds on him, which makes it seem like he has somehow just realized that. So it's, uh, yeah, we already discussed how this was not handled very well. Yeah, just a poor job all around. Good job, Riverdale. Yeah. So uh, in the future, if anyone else would like to leave us their thoughts or questions, you can feel free to tweet at us all the time while watching the episode and we will make sure to mention that we are typically going to try and record these more in the vicinity of Thursday or Friday but if it does make it to the weekend feel free to message us and at the very least we will call it out on the next episode. There were a lot of new characters this episode. Mr. Honey. Uh, I, the only thing I really want to say about him also is that since he seems like a jerk how soon do you think he's gonna die? 
because he's probably going to die. Um, Hopefully soon because I hate him. Yeah, I, I definitely think by the end of the season, Mr. Honey is either dying or quitting or something. <laughs> Another thing, Mr. Chipping. When you look up Mr. Chipping Archie Comics, nothing comes up about him, but there are all these references to Mr. Flutesnoot or Flutesnoot or something, who is apparently a fictional chemistry professor from Archie Comics. So uh, love that name. Hopefully we see him at some point. Yay. No, I am over it. I'm over all these crazy names. I'm over all the teachers and everything. I just, I want to know where Jughead goes at the end of the season. That's why I'm still here. And uh, I do hope that we do not get this flash forward to spring break at the end of every single episode because I don't think I could handle that. Yeah, I'm pretty over it. All right. Who do we think was the most normal person? of the episode huh this one's tricky because i really don't think that anyone was very normal at all yeah um i think i could potentially give it to tony because she's kind of just being no, a great she was girlfriend. just there no way okay here, so here's the thing okay yes kevin is still brainwashed by a cult but i feel like he acted like the most normal person this episode was he more normal than jughead um, yeah, because Jughead has never been someone to be swayed by, like, fancy things, and he got totally sucked into this prep school. But they're, they're playing it off more like, oh, he just wants to take some time learning from his full potential, which is actually really ironic because yeah. he had previously been taken to a different school where he was getting the opposite of that and was chill with it. So I think Jughead just likes to move schools. <laughs> I, yeah, I just, I don't think Jughead was normal because it just didn't feel, I think Kevin was most normal mm, God, i just have a hard time giving it to someone who's so brainwashed but definitely wasn't anyone else in this episode fp as we've already established is not a great sheriff no, fp is a horrible cop veronica is what is veronica doing archie is getting involved in abusive familial relationships and also just like bringing in new football players i guess mad dog could be the most normal he's just trying to do well on the football team yeah, actually, I can't really think of anything that he did like, that was Like, what did he do abnormal. that was so weird? He, like, thought... He wanted to go back to school, and then he was good at football. Yeah. You know what? There, Put it down. What's his real name again? Something more? Uh, Monroe Moore. Monroe Mad Dog Moore. Most normal person of the episode, Riverdale Season 4 episode. Sounds good. Off to okay. a great start. Perfect. Yay. All right, everyone. That is it for this episode of the podcast. Thanks for joining us, and we'll be back next week for our recap of Episode 3. Wow. Already already getting to Episode 3. <laughs> Until then, you can follow us online at KowskiCast. That's cow with a K. You can check us out on KowskiCast.com or on iTunes or any other podcatcher. You can also follow me online at Frail Mary on every platform and Kirsten at Kirsten Said What on every platform. Kirsten, you have anything to plug this time around? I've done nothing special. I will hopefully be hopping on Twitch at least one day this week, but life is crazy, so I don't know when that will be. Cool, cool, cool. Feel free to give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes if you would like. It's really important to do that at the beginning of the season, and we will shout you out on the podcast. Feel free to plug any social media of your own if you are interested in that. And if not, we just love to read the reviews. So please do that if you have the time. That would be great. Or you know what? Just make the time, okay? (laughs) Yeah, sure. All right. Until next time. Bye. Bang, bang, boom.
believe is that only Veronica knew. Steffi, enough. You gotta stop. You gotta stop.